The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. We're coming to you live today if you're just joining us uh, from the Kennedy uh, Summer School. We're here in the Dunbrody Visitor Centre looking out uh, over uh, the beautiful Barrow. The tide, as I say, on the way in uh, and the sun is shining uh, at last. It was not the greatest morning, but it is an absolutely beautiful afternoon and beautiful in time for some of the events. There's an event happening in the Arboretum, in the JFK Arboretum just out the road here as well, so great uh, timing for the sun to come out for that that outdoor event, afternoon tea. Uh, And it it promises to be a really lively uh, weekend the next uh, few days for the summer school and one of the events happening tonight actually is at half past seven in St Michael's Theatre Sarah Carey is the chair of it and it is about celebrity politics and one of the contributors is with me now Dr Catherine Kramer Brownell she's an associate professor of history at Purdue University Catherine you're very welcome to the show uh, thanks a million for joining us this is your first time in Ireland you were telling me yes thank you so much for having me it's wonderful to be in Ireland it's absolutely beautiful here it's always sunny like this it's always <laughs> well, absolutely beautiful I, it was raining this morning. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, you, you, you stopped, you got out into the countryside as well? Yes, we went for a hike, endured the rain. I was told that you have to hike even if it's raining here in Ireland. Well, you just get used to doing everything even if it's raining mm-hmm. here in Ireland, I'm afraid. It's not always uh, like this. So listen, um, the, the topic is kind of celebrity and politics. And I know you're, you know, in... in your own work, I mean, your, a lot of your focus as well is on kind of US presidents and recent US presidential history as well. In your mind, when did US presidents and politicians cross over into the celebrity space? Well, it actually was a controversial development, and it took decades long. I think there's assumption an assumption that comes out at the end of the 20th century, after Ronald Reagan, an actor, is elected president, that celebrities and, and politicians share the same DNA. But in fact, this was a very contentious development, starts in the 1920s, um, and it's really as political parties start to change, they start to become more focused on media, and then Hollywood becomes very valuable. Uh, And it's interesting that we're here celebrating Kennedy because I see John Kennedy as really ushering in a transformation of the celebrity presidency. In in what way? In what way did the change pre and post Kennedy? So John Kennedy had his eye on the 1960 presidential nomination and he did not have the clout in the Democratic Party that someone like Lyndon Johnson had. And so he recognized that if he wanted to win, he had to go outside the party, not traditionally through the party and make backroom deals. And so he went on the primary trail. And his father was a former Hollywood studio executive. Uh, his brother worked on his campaign. And they they crafted the campaign very specifically to appeal to people as Jack Kennedy fans. And so they wanted to create such enthusiasm around his candidacy on the primary trail that it would give him momentum for the convention to win the presidency that year. And it's key because there were only 15 primaries. So we, we now think of American primaries as that's where you win the, the nomination. Yeah. But that was really controversial at the time. He, it wasn't guaranteed that even if he won those primaries, he would get the nomination. So he had to build up that enthusiasm to convince the party to take him seriously. Now, some might hear that and they think that sounds like kind of the, the democratization of politics. Mm-hmm. This is a good thing. Well, it's it's a shift, right? So in theory, it puts it more into the, the selection process, more into the hands of the people. And over the course of the 1960s, the Democratic Party, the Republican Party follows suit. They kind of break down the insider politics that controlled so much of the nomination, especially. Um, and in theory, it goes to the people. But in fact, it really goes to those who can create a media narrative. Those who are covering it, journalists start to play a much bigger role um, in 
And so media narrative really assumes more of a prominence. Yeah, I was going to say, because the, 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 the way these candidates reach most of the people is through the prism of the media. So they, they become the gatekeepers then, do mm-hmm. they? Exactly. And that's something like during the 1970s, it's celebrated as this new politics. But in fact, journalists, those people who are covering the campaign, telling the story of the campaign, they become the key focus of candidates, that they want to convince them that they're the front runner. Um, and because that creates this, this narrative of momentum that can help them win votes. And then can you, when you look at, at, at U.S. presidential races kind of from the 1920s onwards, as this shift begins to happen, can you kind of correlate success and failure with media narratives? Well, it's really hard to study that. And it's really hard to quantify that because someone had a really effective media campaign, that's why they won. But what I do in my work is I see that there is an emergence of a political belief that media matters more than anything. And and that starts to change how people run their campaigns. It starts to change how they spend their money, who they hire. And increasingly, media consultants play a really prominent role. No longer are they on the periphery, they are driving the campaign. And so as TV becomes more and more prominent, it, there's a growing belief in the power of television. And, and that really reshapes how campaigns are run. And uh, like, has that reached its zenith now with, uh, <laughs> with, with, with you know, who we're going to mention, you know, mm-hmm. with Donald Trump, has mm-hmm. it? Well, I think that, you know, he is building on this tradition of bypassing, if you think about 2016, he bypassed the Republican establishment by drawing attention to him by controlling the media narrative, uh, drawing on his celebrity status as a justification for his political legitimacy. And and he frequently would say, I get crowds, I get ratings, and that's why I should be president. And he equated so much of his presidency to his ratings. Um, Of course, uh, there's a downside to that. Um, There's a huge downside to that, because the focus is so much, you know, especially for Trump, was so much on him, not any policies that he did. And um, and so there are many, many negatives to that, of Course. And then as well, it kind of it raises fascinating questions as well for how media outlets choose to cover particular candidates. Because right, it, it, in a way, it's nearly easier to analyze those who who wear their colours on their sleeve mm-hmm. and just say, yeah, listen, this is our guy. We're pinning our colours to the mast, and mm-hmm. we're going with him. Uh, others who who seek to kind of um, uh, uh, maintain their position in the in in, in the centre or in the unbiased arena. I mean. They also fall into the in, into his trap or into mm-hmm. the trap of politicians then who seek to manipulate them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my new book that um, I just finished just came out a couple weeks ago uh, looks at the role of cable television and and how cable television creates this really fragmented media landscape as you shift away from the era of John Kennedy and Hollywood and broadcasting to the age that we're in now, where there are all of these different niche outlets on on TV and then of course social media. It's very fragmented. Um, And this has really created an opportunity for those people who can bring the biggest spectacle to really shape uh, the the broader media conversation. And it allows for more fringe elements and anti-establishment elements to emerge. Yeah, because again, when I put it to you that uh, what you described initially in some people's minds as I think the democratization of politics, people then might assume that, well, kind of the fragmentation of the media landscape and social media is real democratization. And suddenly that prism disappears. They're Mm -hmm. no longer the gatekeepers. But I'm not sure 
do I feel like I'm living in the kind of the golden age of democracy? Mm-hmm. Well, and I, that's one of the things that I try to show in my new book is that there is this promise that cable TV is going to deliver diversity of perspectives. It's going to deliver for democracy if we just ex- open it up. And um, But all of the, this promise always became tied to the deregulation so that it's the market that's going to deliver for democracy. And that was, um, you know, policies were then implemented that allowed for deregulatory policies that made market metrics um, become really tethered to democracy. And I think we see the, the, the dangerous consequences of that as well. Yeah, well, listen, we'll have to see what the consequences might be as they play out over the next 14 months until uh, mm-hmm. the next election cycle uh, comes to a close. Uh, Catherine, uh, enjoy this evening and the best of luck with it. Uh, Catherine, as I said, is uh, taking part in the celebrity politics discussion. It is on at half seven this evening in St. Michael's Theatre here in New Ross County, Wexford. Uh, Dr. Catherine Kramer Brownell is an Associate Professor of History at Purdue University. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.